oftentimes I think of discipline as a destination. Like I'm describing mm, yeah. something out on the horizon that I want to arrive at mm. as opposed to discipline as a process we ought to be constantly engaged mm, in. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. And I think if we think about discipline more as a process, yeah. that takes a lot of the pressure off of arriving at like a perfected state. If I'm trying to move towards it, then I am actively engaged in the process of yeah. becoming more disciplined. Welcome to the Really Real Podcast, a scientific process whereby three homo sapiens vibrate their vocal cords for approximately one hour, launching sound waves into a capacitor plate that converts the varying capacitance into corresponding electrical signals. There's more, but that's probably enough for a first class. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to the Really Real Podcast. It's episode 69, and this is a show where three friends sit down for a drink and some refreshingly honest conversation about real life. Let's run through what we've got on tap for the show today. First up is Quote of the Week from Kara, and she is sharing a quote that asks this question. What is your prescription for yourself? If you had to come up with a plan for recovery, what would that look like? Then on Is It Just Me, Isaac is asking the question, is it just me or is extreme wealth unattractive? Mm. And I would just like to say at the outset that if that is true for you, Isaac, and you come into extreme wealth, you are always <laughs> welcome to share some of yes, it with me. Deal. Same. Once I hit it big on the stocks, I'll let you know. That's right. <laughs> then we have panel of experts and we are having a very important sports themed debate today. Oh boy. Which I am greatly looking forward to hearing <laughs> Isaac and Kara's sports hot takes. Oh yeah. Because uh, honestly, I feel like that's what this segment was made for because <laughs> yes. if, if you've ever listened to first take or one uh -huh. of these like sports debate shows on ESPN or yeah. Fox sports or something. I mean, this is the epitome of televised <laughs> yelling at each other. Yes. Oh, yes. Nice. So, and no two people are less qualified to do either of those. Amen. Kara and Isaac don't like yelling at each other. They don't know anything also about sports. Know about sports. <laughs> so we are naturally going to combine yeah. these things and oh, have them so yell good. at each other about sports. This should be fun. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. <laughs> yes. Finally, our word of the week for this week is discipline. Here's kind of my quick primer question I want to toss out at the beginning. What's something you're really disciplined about and something that you're not very disciplined mm. about? Let's start with the positive one first. Okay. Yeah. Okay, if you had okay. to pick one, what do you think something that you're like, you know what? I actually am pretty disciplined yeah. in this area of my life. For me, it's worth Work because there's an outside accountability and structure. Yeah. And so I have a system that works really well for me and I'm very consistent with it. I mean, most of the time, not sure, 110% sure. of sure. the time. Yeah. I have a system that works for me, a yeah. to-do list and I'm accountable. Other people are counting on me. Yes. So I feel like that's the most disciplined area of my life. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think I have a strong structure to my day. I have a solid wake up time seven days a week. And I feel like that helps me kind of get a handle on my day. I get over overwhelmed if I like sleep a little too late. So I wake up pretty early. That helps me procrastinate more, which is like it like I at least kind of can weaponize that a little That's bit. Awesome. Yeah. I have a good handle on my overall schedule. Okay. Yeah. 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 I good. think actually exercise is one for me where yeah. I've kind of figured out this discipline and have a routine and a schedule that has been established now. And yeah. I think when you can tell when something has become a strong discipline in your life, it's something that you don't have to actively manage all for the sure. time, right? Yeah. It's something yeah. that you've kind of ingrained into your daily habits it's until habit, it becomes yeah. okay i no longer need to teach myself how to do this because i've already been taught right mm. and now it's just a natural extension of who i am 
them, right? That's good. So yeah. conversely, what's something that is not yeah. that? What's something <laughs> where you go, man, this is not an area of my life that I'm disciplined, or maybe I wish I was a lot more disciplined than I am. Mm, there's plenty, but probably eating healthy, like mm. consistently. Mm. I go in spurts. Definitely not. That's a hard one. Disciplined. Yeah. Every about time it. ice cream shows up. I mean, yeah, it's pretty difficult. It's pretty- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how I feel. That's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to say this, but I think connection and talking with people, I slip into hermit mode very easily. Mm. And through this last year, I think any sort of social pressure that would come with, hey, let's go hang out. And I have that invite. So I kind of have to respond to it. Like COVID blew all of that out of the water where I'm like, I'm doing my duty by not talking to you. And I just just completely forget to talk to people. (laughs) It's really bad. (laughs) Mine is like the (laughs) polar opposite of what Isaac is good at. So mine is my sleep schedule. I'm bad at going to bed. I'm bad at getting up in the morning. Everything revolving around sleep is not a disciplined (laughs) space for me. I have a really hard time making myself go to bed on time at night. That results in me having a hard time getting up on time in the morning. And so then I'm just kind of constantly tired. And so all of that is something that I wish I could do better at. And I've wished that for a long, long time without a lot of discernible progress. So we'll get a little bit more into discipline a little bit later in the show. But first, what's everybody drinking today? What you got, Kara? I got a London Fog. It's so good. It's Earl Grey tea steamed in some milk with Mm. some vanilla syrup. And it's a classic. I'm drinking coffee from the cafe across the street. (gasps) Shocker. Here's the deal, though. I also have a video project that I'm going to work on later today. Mm -hmm. And whenever I have video projects, I treat Uh, myself a little bit to cold brew. So I am now downing this coffee. I love this, but I'm also drinking you like, I can't wait until you're cold brew. Wait, is this the pre-coffee? Yeah. Okay. pre-coffee coffee. coffee. This is my wake up coffee. I love how your attitude is like, I got to get this one down and out of the way so I can get to the next one. is the warm up. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. I like it. I'm drinking orange juice this morning. Nice. We have some leftover orange juice here in the office and I'm just going to come right out with a hot take. Yes. Orange juice is the best juice. Oh, agreed. Agreed or disagree? Disagree. 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 What's your favorite? Apple juice. Oh, no. <gasps> apple juice is too sweet. Orange juice That's has how that I feel tartiness. Too. Like I like apple juice, but I get about halfway through it and it's yeah. like too much for me. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Orange <laughs> juice has the balance of the sugar yeah. with the citrus. You know? yeah. Citrus. Yeah. I was sick one time and and we have those. I don't know if you've taken them, the emergency packets. Yes. That's like the the little vitamin C mm. dissolvable thing. Uh-huh. We had these in our house and I had a little orange juice thing like you have, Anson, the yes. little bottle thing. Uh-huh. Brie caught me like putting the emergency in the orange juice and shaking <laughs> it up. And I was like, I'm going to cure myself right now. That's right. <laughs> so much this. vitamin C. Double. <laughs> awesome. into my this. veins. <laughs> All right. What's on repeat this week, Kara? Keep it simple from Matoma, Petey Martin and Wilder Woods. I rediscovered this song this week. It's on our top 20 right now, but it's been a few weeks and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this song. So I've definitely been spinning it because it's so good. It's so upbeat and positive. And honestly, their sound very much reminds me of Need to Breathe. But then they also have the feel of Matt Carney in there. Like it's a very nostalgic song as well. And for some reason that pushes all the right buttons with me. And then they have this fun little like break in the middle where there's this little electronic jig i mean it feels like a jig to yeah. me. maybe it's not yeah. a jig but it feels very jiggy. it feels very much it's like the a summer jig. of jig it's let's very, go <laughs> and it just makes me happy every time i listen to it it's mm. a really interesting yeah. combination i mean you have pd martin who's a new artist you have matoma who's more of an established edm producer yeah. and then you have wilder woods which is the 
solo project of Bear Reinhardt, the lead oh, singer of Need to Breathe. Which, which is, is why it sounds like, why it sounds like a Need to Breathe song, because <laughs> it, it is. Not exactly. Wilder Woods is his solo thing that Got he it. does. Okay. But it's an interesting pairing of yeah. this like Southern rock lead vocalist yeah. with the like electronic dance Makes sense. genre. It's yeah. an interesting mashup to me. Yeah. But Bear Reinhardt has like one of the best voices oh my gosh. of Agreed. all time. He does. If you ever hear him sing live, you're just kind of like, He's, I don't know how that huh? comes out of your mouth, but that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's magical. So I'm all for him being a vocalist on pretty much anything. Yep. So, yeah. And if you haven't listened to Wilder Woods, I haven't. check it out because oh, he has an album out, his I'm, own solo project stuff. It's not EDM no, at all. But I'm doing um, that right now. But I'm it's very good and you would like that. it. So. Okay. Like thank it. you. My on repeat this week is Lost by NF and Hobson. When I'm lost. Anson, you and I talk about rap pretty often mm-hmm. when we're looking at real FM music. And I saw that Hobson was on a track. I just instantly was transported back to 2010 as <laughs> a smaller me listening mm-hmm. to Hobson. And I was like, how is this going to work? Because yeah. Hobson used bad word. He on track with NF. <laughs> how is this going to play out? Honestly, it worked out in a really cool way. If you kind of go back and look through some of the lyrics that Hobson is delivering, NF is definitely like par for course for NF on this song. Right. He's, it is a very expected yeah. verse chorus. But Hobson was kind of cool because if you know him as a rapper from like 2010 era, definitely of that very like intentionally shock value level of mm-hmm. vulgarity. He has this verse where he's talking about the hatred and the discontent that he has. And then he kind of brings up, yeah, I brought all this in. I manifested this. This is what I've chosen to be mm-hmm. like, basically. He has this very raw emotional confession it feels like in the song Mm -hmm. interesting that i thought was really cool coming from him i'm interested to see what kind of collabs nf does on this mixtape i would love to know more about the backstory of the song and where it came from and how hobson came to be involved in it because i feel like the layers of meaning of the song itself and the theme of like i'm lost or this is what i'm like when i am lost has a lot more meaning with hobson on the song right even i don't know if you've watched the music video Mm -hmm. But the music video is literally like NF climbing a mountain and he finds Hobson like buried in the snow, digs him out, like digs him out and Hobson like pops up and does his verse. Yeah. I don't know how intentional that metaphor is of like Mm -hmm. NF climbing a mountain, finding this dude and like pulling him out. And yeah. But if you know Hobson's history, he became a professing Christian five or six years ago, uh, a couple of years after that renounced everything and walked away from his mm-hmm. faith in a very like outward kind of way. Wow. And since then hasn't said a lot about where he is. I think recently I was reading something where he said he's, he's thinking, yeah. <laughs> he's not sure. And like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential depth and meaning and layers to this yeah. song. No once kidding. you kind of know some of that backstory. I think that people have more to gain than they do to lose when you have collaborations between NF and artists like, Hobson. I think that that's going to be really cool to see more of that. Yeah. Well, cool. and I personally, I think his verse is fantastic. So and like good. the energy by the mm. end of it is just yeah. really, really high. It's really good. Mm. My on repeat for this week is Cool by Landon Austin and Matthew Parker. Basically, the polar opposite direction from an NF song. <laughs> it's basically a summer love pop song. Nice. Which, by the way, could you just can you just imagine NF doing like a, <laughs> a ukulele a summer yeah. pop song? Yeah. Wow. That would be like the funniest thing in the world to me. Anyway, hilarious. Matthew Parker teaming up with Landon Austin. A lot of Matthew Parker's stuff has kind of this lighthearted, chill, summery, laid back yeah. vibe. Yeah. And this is basically the love song version of that. Usually around this time, April, once you get into early spring, mm-hmm. I'm ready for some of the like summer jam stuff yeah. to yeah. start coming out. I'm ready for the like windows down, like totally. fun summer jam music already. 
already. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I like that we get a couple of these kind of a little bit earlier in the season. Yeah. Because yes. I'm ready for them before we actually get to like June or July. <laughs> and this is one of them. It's just a fun little love song. The first time I played this for my wife, sometimes I, I kind of test real FM songs on her to see what she thinks of them. Sure. And I play this one for her and she immediately caught on to the line. You've got friends and I've got antisocial tendencies <laughs> as they're describing each other. And she was like, this is about us. I love it. <laughs> like, thank you, honey. Like, Thanks. Yes. But uh, yeah, I can't really disagree. Like you do have true. friends and I do have antisocial tendencies. <laughs> that sums us up quite accurately, That's actually. Right. So uh, awesome. this apparently represents my relationship with my wife quite well. Nice. Words are, in my not so humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. The quote of the week. My turn to share the quote of the week where we serve up a nugget of wisdom to snack on and maybe a few French fries as well, preferably waffle fries. Oh, yes. So listening to a podcast yesterday with John Eldridge and he was talking with Annie Downs about a year of the pandemic and how it has affected us. He talked a lot about trauma and how basically Mm. we have all been through global trauma in the last year, which sounds a little excessive, I know. But like the more he described it, I was like, no, you're right. We're all living through this right now. And a lot of times... I don't know about you guys, but I think, well, I've been doing this for a year. I should be good at this by now. Like I should feel better by now. I should know how to handle all this stuff. And he's basically like, no, that's not how that works. (laughs) I mean, if you accept it as trauma, no one would say like, well, I've been traumatized for a year year. now. So... (laughs) I should probably be I'm good, good yeah. with this now. Like yeah. that's like the opposite, right? Exactly. Like, like, you know, if you've been traumatized for a year, that would probably be worse. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Than doing it for a short period of time. And you're right. still in it is the thing. Yeah. And yeah. he talked about how a while ago in I think it was in Hong Kong, before this coronavirus, one of the original coronavirus strains happened. In Hong Kong, it was over there for a while. It blew up. All kinds of yeah. people died, but it lasted for like three months and then was done. And he said, since then, psychologists have gone in and done studies of the whole population and they all have PTSD population (laughs) wide. So that's all of us, but much longer. All of that to say, he said, "Okay, we need to all just agree right now that we're in rehab. All right. We are in recovery from a traumatic event. If you're in recovery, what's your plan for recovery? Mm. When people go to recovery, they're not just like. Okay, I guess I'll pray and stuff and do some, you know, like they have a very specific plan for how to recover. His take was basically you've got to do some very intentional things. If you were writing a prescription for yourself for your recovery for the rest of the year. What would it be? Mm. I like that. I love that question so much. And I think it's worth noting, too, that you mentioned it, Kara. We're still very much in it still, it feels like, especially with like different states and stuff, sort of figuring out how they're going to handle things. At least in my experience, trauma really doesn't express itself until after the event, Uh usually. So it's like, if you're like me and you're like, "Ah, I'm feeling okay right now, like, just wait, (laughs) like, it'll it'll be there. It's it's, It's that means we're still in it. So just hold on. I know. Like, once you leave survival mode, you start realizing all the things. Okay, this is what I was doing to cope and I need to sort of walk that back a little bit. Uh I think we are starting to get a few hints of that as some restrictions start to ease or vaccines become a little more popular. Maybe you start to have some small gatherings here or there for the first time. Or for me, we had church indoors for like the first time in like a year, a few weeks ago. And so like you do these things that you haven't done in forever. And that kind of does what you're talking about, Isaac. It reveals to you, oh, Oh. this I forgot what this 
yeah, what, like, what like. normal things were like. Yeah. And oh. it kind of starts to bring that into relief for you. And maybe that's when you start to feel yeah. the yeah. weight of kind of what you just I went had, through. Yeah. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine. We were talking about it. And it was one of those kind of circular things of like, yeah, it's been bad. Mm-hmm, it's been real bad. <laughs> and then he just kind of like broke and said, we lost a year. I could tell like he was really processing this. Mm. And I think that we're all going to arrive at that point where like, a year was taken. The world as we knew it for about a year was we had to figure out how to do things. You're dead on. Like We have to know that we're probably not going to deal with that in the best way. Finding things to treat that in a healthy way is so crucial. And just being aware of it. I just think we have to be aware of it because if we're not, then we're going to be super hard on ourselves. And there's all these side effects of trauma. He was talking about short-term memory loss and this like brain fog and Mm -hmm. some of the other physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you're not just going to go back to normal immediately. So if we know that and keep that in mind, we can be a little kinder to ourselves and each other. So if step one is being aware of that and going, okay, I need to be aware of the fact that I'm in recovery. Yeah. Step two is like, all right, what is that plan or what does that prescription look like? You might still be chewing on that. A little bit. Did he offer anything or have you been thinking through anything of like, this is at least the beginnings of what my plan or prescription could look like for myself? Yeah. It's a great question. What he was thinking is he needs intentional beauty, He needs intentional rest. He needs to plan some things to look forward to. I'm similar. I have been realizing lately I need to plan more creativity into my life outside Mm. of my job because it's very life-giving to me. Exercise is a big deal for me and it has been throughout, but like getting back into an enjoyable rhythm with that. Zumba is super, super therapeutic to me and I haven't been during this entire thing. And Mm. so like, I really want to go back to Zumba. Yeah, Uh, It's super helpful. And I really want to make a plan to do some things with friends. Yeah. Make intentional plans like let's do a girls weekend or making some plans to look forward to sounds really, really nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For sure. Is it just me or it's probably just a case of the Mondays. Am I right? This is the segment where we remind each other, no, you're not a total weirdo alien for this one thing. We kind of introed mine a little bit, but is wealth and extreme wealth extremely unattractive to you guys? So give you a little bit of context here. Through the pandemic, I picked up some cheap voiceover gigs on the website Fiverr, where you get paid like $5 to read people's scripts and stuff, Mm -hmm. Yeah, which has been fun. And I got picked by this little BuzzFeed knockoff YouTube channel that does these listicles. One of them was... The 10 most insane mansions in the world. And <laughs> I was I was like, OK, fine. I'm going to make five bucks reading about these billion dollar homes. That's mm-hmm. very dark, but OK. <laughs> um, through the course of it, I just kept looking at these homes that were like 26 rooms, 16 oh. bathrooms, 20 car garage. And I was just going through it saying, this is obscene. This Ooh. is unnecessary. This family of like five occupies this home. There are rooms that would be dust forever until they like went in there randomly. Right. Man, yeah. And I just kept thinking about, I live in this culture where the whole thing is just buy more stuff, consume, Mm. get more stuff. And we even kind of have rebranded that. Like we're buying things to help us minimize, create our spaces better. But the bottom line is that you got to buy more. Yeah. And of course, like the idea of my student loans being paid off and my house being paid off and stuff, that's cool to me. But I really sat there after I finished this script and I thought, is this something that I ever wanted or actively want now? If not, where's my target that I want to land? Do I want to make 
X amount of money? Is there like this specific threshold that I don't want to cross right. to where like that's where it gets into excess? Like, am I the only person that wrestles with like <laughs> putting a limit on how much money I want? Because I feel like that's counterintuitive to the whole get more yeah. mentality. I'm honestly kind of conflicted on this one. On yeah. the one hand, I totally identify with what you're saying. And I've actually had the thought before if I somehow came into a bajillion dollars yeah. or whatever the amount would be, I think I would want to like stay in the house that I'm in. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. if possible, I'd like to keep my job. I don't want to just not work, even if I didn't have to. Yeah. Like So I think continuing to work or staying in a modest size house or Mm. not having 37 supercars or things would probably be good for me as a person. But then if I'm honest about it also, I'm like, but also right now I'm fantasizing about the idea of what would I do if I had a bajillion dollars? Yeah. So like there is a part of me that is like, I wouldn't say no to the money though. Yeah, exactly. And so I get what you're saying and I'm with you on like all of that excess. That doesn't seem attractive to me. And I'd like to think that if I did come into a bajillion dollars, that's (laughs) not the direction I would go. And yet I'm also not quite certain what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. And my ultimate conclusion is it's probably good that I don't have a bajillion dollars. Right. <laughs> like, right. Because yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think I would handle it responsibly and I wouldn't go nuts or I wouldn't do things that I yeah. don't need to do. Yep. But I'm not sure if I would actually have the willpower to to mm. not do it. You yeah. know, I honestly don't know. I totally feel that. I agree, Isaac. Like, there's times where we see these reality shows about these people living so rich, and I just half the time I'm just like, I just can't wrap my mind around this. Like, yeah. I can't even comprehend how this is a thing. How do you live this lifestyle? And yeah, I don't think it would be fun. I think it would be life sucking after a while. Mm. Um, so there's that side of it. But then I I'm with Anson. I I also struggle because right now in my life we're at a place where we're like, are we ever going to even be able to afford to buy a house? House prices are obscene. Yeah. Like a normal, small, modest house with two bedrooms and a bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. We're renting and we're just overwhelmed. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to buy a house or if we are, when? And so that tempts me to go, oh, that sounds nice to have a little bit of extra (laughs) money and just be able to buy a house. But I think with that the more you have, the more danger, right. just a little bit more, just a little bit right. more. And we see practical examples of that with professional athletes or people yeah. who yes. come from nothing and then come into a lot. It's easy when you don't have millions of dollars to yep. judge people who do yeah. and say like, oh, I would never do that. I don't know. I want to be careful before I make that judgment call because sure. I, just, I don't yeah. know whether I would really be able to hold to it or not. Yeah. Sure. But I do find what you're talking about attractive I in the sense gonna, of like, yeah. like I very much identify with you on, I don't want that. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm almost more scared that I would become that for sure. If yeah. I did and have I, that. And I don't want this to read as like, Oh, Isaac has overcome materialism. No. Like that's, <laughs> I am wearing a thrifted sweater no, at my house. Awesome. I have a $150 keyboard. Like that's, that's not awesome. what no. I'm saying, but just the idea of like wealth in excess when there's so many people who have nothing, I just can't help but build resentment towards that almost Mm, because all of these people who have all of the money they could ever want, but it's revealed that they have this dark thing in their closet. Have we not found that money doesn't fix everything? I know. Now, if your check engine light is on and you have someone saying like, well, money doesn't fix everything. No, it can (laughs) fix your car. (laughs) And that's not what I'm saying. But like a brain scientist would make all of the money in the world, if they found out this threshold that you can't cross Mm. income wise to where like you become a goblin once you pass... X amount of dollars per year. I actually have a friend of mine who has decided he and his wife, they established 
a level where mm. they said, if we ever at any point in our lives pass this point in our personal income, anything above and beyond that point, we're going to give away. Wow. That's like, that's what we're going to do. That's yeah. huge. And last year they hit that point. No way. And so they've started doing this That's where so they're cool. going, okay, everything above and beyond that goes to charity. Like, wow. and we can pick which ones we want it to go to and we can sort all that out. That but is... we're going to put a cap on whatever amount of like income we're going to earn because we, so cool. we don't need it. That's so, uh, and we can survive wow. without it. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it sounds like it's been a really positive thing in their life. Yeah. And I think that's huh. kind of exactly what you're talking about. That is really attractive to me too, because I think I've even talked about it on the show. Generosity is hard for me. Yeah. Like that's, I'm a, I'm a saver. I hold on to things very tightly. Mm. The converse of what you're talking about mm-hmm. is generosity, giving wealth away. And I know that there's a lot of examples of people who are extremely wealthy, who give massive sure. amounts oh, of money away. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so yeah. Cool. And that would be my hope. And I also don't want to get caught in that trap either of thinking I have to have more right, money before you start be a generous yeah, person that's the yeah, hard because one. that's not true either. Right. Yeah. The widow's might like is the perfect mm-hmm. example of mm-hmm. like, you don't have to have hardly anything to, to be, be generous. generous with what you yeah. have. I don't want to hold that out there either as this like, well, once my you know, <laughs> net worth is a bazillion dollars, then I'll yeah. start giving it away. Yeah. We can do that now as well. Yeah. yeah. I really admire you, Isaac. I admire your perspective and think that that's evidence of a generous heart. Mm-hmm. So good cool. for you. <laughs> my plan to be gassed up is working. <laughs> <laughs> Panel of experts. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Now it is time for our panel of experts discussion. They said we could be anything, so we became experts on everything. And we are taking that to the extreme today because Mm -hmm. Kara and Isaac are about to become experts on the sports ball. Which should be highly entertaining. Like I said earlier in the show, if you've ever watched ESPN or Fox Sports or any of these, you may have come across one of these debate shows that they have, Mm. which are basically two people sitting across a desk from each other, yelling Yelling. at each other about sports. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to give our best shot at yelling at each other about sports. We'll see how this goes. Isaac and I are trying uh, to access our alter ego. You guys be NBA fans. You know a lot about basketball. Watch every game. Okay. (laughs) During the basketball season. I watch every game. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> yes. I, that sounds very believable. <laughs> I watch all you the Totally games. sold me on that. <laughs> Welcome back to 96.2 The Fan. Our topic of discussion turns to the NBA today, where the MVP race is wide open this season. We're less than a couple of months from the end of the regular season. We still don't really know who will win the coveted Most Valuable Player Award. There's previous favorites like Joel Embiid, LeBron James. They've both missed some time due to injury. Nikola Jokic and Damian Lillard's teams have not been able to match their individual brilliance. There's James Harden, who uh, is definitely a player. And then, of course, reigning MVP Giannis Kunbo, who could suffer for some serious voter fatigue after winning the MVP during the last two years. So this is one of the deepest MVP races in NBA history. Joining me to discuss our NBA experts and analysts, Kara and Isaac. Thank you guys for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Wonderful to be here. Thanks for having us. Early on in the season, LeBron James seemed to be separating from the pack. He was shooting 50% from the field, a career high 41% from three, uh, 7.5 assists per game, 7.8 rebounds per game. Of course, now he's got that high ankle sprain, Kara. Mm. 
mm. and is out indefinitely. And I know you're a big LeBron fan. Yeah. Do you think he can regain his old form when he returns to the lineup after his injury? You know, I think LeBron has a history of bouncing back. Am I right? He's been seeing those therapists lately and been doing a lot of meditation. And I oh, just yeah. think that's really okay. going to up his game. It's going to go all the way down into his ankles and he's going to be <laughs> able to shoot those balls into those hoops really well. <laughs> what do you think is the aspect of his game that could perhaps be most improved perhaps then even uh, after some yeah, time off? Yeah, I would say definitely the jumping. The yes. more the jumping, the more he gets into that inner space and accesses his inner child verticality the higher he can jump yeah really builds up that ankle strength yeah that makes sense that. Uh, and isaac i know you on the other hand are not as big of a fan of lebron mm-hmm. uh, you know the mvp award was a big topic of conversation during their post-game media sessions the lakers and uh, lebron who's won the award four times said that he thinks he should have more oh. he says i should have more than four i believe but i don't sit around thinking about it or crying about it or whatever the case may be and yet you previously said that kind of sounded like he was crying about it so do you think he should have the inside track to the mvp or not you know we're looking at this ankle injury and the recovery process he's been doing Mm -hmm. i don't know that he's going to be able to bounce back and really put on a performance that's worthy of that Mm -hmm. especially when we have other athletes doing some incredible things on the court a lot of cartwheels happening on the court right now (laughs) Ah. we're seeing some major plays being done some friendliness on the court this season some good handshakes being had lebron just not the kind of person who can deal out the friendliness on the court or the acrobatic performance that we've seen from other athletes. Okay, so you're saying that friendliness and and sportsmanship would be a key consideration for you in terms of who the best player in the NBA is. It's something that I really love about modern basketball is that there's a lot of hugging now that we see (laughs) and LeBron just seems sort of physically distanced from his teammates. Like you see him on the bench and he's just... we are in in the middle of a pandemic. He's just further away from everybody. (laughs) It's really kind of uncomfortable for me to watch, especially when you have people like Dwayne Wade, who gives a little smooch on the cheek to every player. I love seeing it. Do you buy Isaac's argument that um, physical camaraderie and love is an important consideration in who the best basketball player on the planet is? I mean, come on. He shoots the ball into the hoop lots of times. I mean, that is the goal, right? <laughs> right and right. he runs really fast and he jumps really high. And I'm sorry, but that has nothing to do with hugging and friendliness and whatever you're Listen, talking about. We all know basketball. Yeah, of course, it's a physical game, but it's also a heart game. Kara. <laughs> You've got to have that teammate camaraderie and affection there. The smooch game has to be on lock. You've got to be able to do that. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, let's talk about Nikola Jokic because the guy is averaging near a triple double, but the Denver Nuggets are not one of the premier teams in the league. So Kara, can you or should you be able to win the MVP vote, even if your team as a whole isn't playing up to a top standard? Well, I think that depends on whether you can tell jokes like Nikola Jokic. I mean, I think <laughs> oh. he, he brings that extra edge to his game. So joking yeah. for Jokic I think, yeah. is, a, is a key aspect I, I of think, why you would be I think so. on board with him for MVP. Yeah, I think so. Okay. How about you, Isaac? Well, ever since the Denver Nuggets have been under the ownership of Chick-fil-A, the Chick-fil-A Denver Nuggets, <laughs> I think that they've got a strong organization now. Uh-huh. And I think that Jokic now has that leadership behind him. Some mm. Chick-fil-A efficiency is going to be brought in. Yeah. I think that that triple double is right around the corner because listen, Chick-fil-A famous for their combos. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to bring some- 
Just get a little barbecue sauce yes, on there. So get a little barbecue sauce. Maybe a little sauce Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A sauce. Chick-fil-A sauce, yeah. And we he's going gonna, gonna to be dripping. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, definitely would not have thought of that angle on yeah. uh, Jokic. Yeah. Either one of those angles, actually. Kara, <laughs> um, the two-time reigning MVP is Giannis Adedokunbo. Do you think some voters may be low on this guy just because they'd like to see someone else I don't know. There's a lot of prejudice with those long last names, man. We we don't like to keep trying to say them over and over because it's embarrassing to us. And so then we're like, well, we should pick somebody with an easier last name. And like Kara, what, just as a refresher, what was that long last name? That Adekumine. Um. <laughs> was that right, yes. Isaac? It's actually pronounced. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 A lot of people just refer to him as uh, Giannis. Yes. Okay. There's that. <laughs> because, uh, yes, Adedo Gunbo is a little bit tricky little, to say. Little e but there <laughs> is kind of a, a multi-ethnic representation that happens there when you have uh, a yeah. Greek guy that's been winning the MVP award the last couple seasons. That's pretty cool. Let's go to one final question before we wrap up. Kara, which stat will you be keeping an eye on most and valuing the most down the home stretch of the season? So of everybody that's involved in the MVP race, what's the one aspect of their game that you want to see them excel at if they're going to pick up the MVP award? Dribbling. I want to see those dribbles, man. Nice. I want to see, see lots of dribbling. I want to see lots of dribbles and I yeah. want to see it all the way down the court. I don't want to see any traveling. <laughs> wow. I want to see it all the way up to that basket and let's not get sloppy here, people. Okay. Wow. And that's a high standard <laughs> to, to dribble all the way down the court <laughs> with no traveling, for sure. <laughs> Isaac, how about you? What uh, what aspect of players' games are you really wanting to see? <laughs> I want to see just speed. I like watching people who run fast. Yeah. Not so much the dribbling. I could... <laughs> I could give or take the dribbling, <laughs> but the fast. faster players are. Yeah. I think that that's very entertaining. Well, and I, I suppose you could argue that players can be faster without dribbling. I would say <laughs> they can only be faster without dribbling. Okay. In fact, like, listen, we can take a couple travel calls now and then. Let's get the ball moving quicker. I think that's going to be the key is just yeah. quick moving. See, and that's that's really interesting because a lot of people do complain about the uh, lack of traveling calls in the NBA. Yeah. That a lot of people get away with traveling. Yeah. You're saying you don't even care. If we could deduct five rules from basketball every time a new season starts, we maybe open up the meta a little bit and say like, okay, okay. bats are allowed now. <laughs> like, I, yeah, let's make the game more entertaining because it is an entertainment sport. I'm watching at home going, there's been no bats the entire season. So this we introduce one. I think people start moving quicker. Okay. And you're very much, though, honed in on the fundamentals, like dribbling. You're saying, no, let's not do any of this newfangled stuff. Let's focus on the fundamentals. That's right. And I want to see people succeed at those. I want to see the dribbling. I want to see the good formation. I want to see those free throws. No no sloppiness, people. Get it together. I'm wanting to add a fourth point. Four pointers. I think that Uh, would be really fun. (laughs) In fact, if you sink a four pointer, two points should be deducted from the other team. Wow. This is my new basketball setup. All right. Ridiculous. We'll be back to discuss more. More after the break. Without much further ado, I give you the word of the week. It's like a perspective potluck, but with words and ideas instead of a chicken cordon bleu bake, which personally mm. is one of my favorite potluck dishes. Wow. Really? Oh, it's like the like ham and crumblies and cheese kind of action going oh, on in there. Interesting. It's like melty cheese and ham is basically what we're talking Your about. Your potlucks were like, fancier than mine, I'm yeah? just saying. Okay. I don't remember that. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> All right. We'll have to hook you guys up at some point. Okay. This week, we're discussing the word discipline. I'm interested to start this conversation conversation off by asking this question 
Unlike some of mm. our words, discipline is a little more multifaceted. There's several different meanings of the word and mm. several different applications of the word. Which one is the first one that strikes you? So when you hear the word discipline, what do you think of or in what context are you thinking about that word? I think of me trying really hard to do something <laughs> right okay. and to do yeah. it consistently. Yes. <laughs> okay. I think How about you, Isaac? Punishments, like punitive, mm. dis- you've been disciplined. You're right. going yeah. for disciplinary action. Yeah. You guys have covered probably the main two. Yeah. Some people might think of discipline as like controlled behavior. Yeah. Right. Like I've established discipline. Yes. And I now can yes. do things at this like higher plane can of existence. Can pull the X-wing out of the swamp. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Or punishment. I'm a kid. I did something wrong and I got disciplined. Yeah. Yep. I want to discuss both of those things. I think we can even get to the point where we potentially can kind of connect some of these disparate dots together. Uh, there actually is a third definition or usage for the word that I didn't really think of initially. And that is a particular branch of knowledge or a course of study. Oh, so if you think okay, about like yeah. sociology is a relatively new discipline would oh, be wow. an example of that yeah. used yeah. in a sentence. So a discipline is also a course of study or mm. uh, something that you might learn. And I think that's a really interesting definition of the word as well, yeah. even yeah. if it's maybe one that we wouldn't think of quite as quickly. I think let's start with where Kara was headed mm-hmm. with this kind of idea of a controlled behavior. Mm. What's also interesting there is there's kind of the second layer. Kara, you also described an emotional reaction yeah. to that definition of the word, yeah, which is kind of this like striving or yeah. maybe even an inability ever to quite reach the summit. Like this thing that's almost always like just out of your grasp. Right. Is that a fair way to kind of describe yeah. like your feeling towards that word? It is. Yeah. It feels like it's really, really hard. And it's something that is, that's a good way to put it, just out of my grasp all the time. It feels like something that is almost unattainable, not mm-hmm. really completely, but to a certain degree. So most yeah. of the time when I hear the word, my reaction is gross. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's what I was going to ask is because I think most people could probably identify with that idea that discipline is something that you're never going to achieve fully and completely. Yeah. Right. You may achieve discipline in certain areas of your life, like yeah. we talked about at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. But there's also probably going to be some area where you haven't achieved that discipline fully. Yeah. And so then that can invoke a emotional response. To yeah. that reality. And so yeah. yours, you're saying is, ooh, gross. Yep, like, <laughs> basically. Kind of carrying with what I said earlier, discipline carries this sort of oppressive, it's being stifled by something. It's having nonconformity squished a little bit. It's very rigid, full of yeah. structure, allows for no creativity and woo-woo-ness that I kind of, I yeah. really operate on that end of the spectrum. So I think that discipline has always been this kind of like, run away from that sort of thing for me. Okay. Yeah, but it's changed sense. a little bit as I've gotten older. Yeah. See, I think for me, discipline, at least as in this sense of the word, controlled behavior is more of an aspirational word to me. Mm-hmm. So I very much identify with what Kara's talking about of, of it being something that's kind of always on the horizon yeah. and that's hard to get to. But I don't necessarily respond to it negatively of like, mm-hmm. so never mind. I want it. I want to get there. Yeah. And that's not necessarily like a turnoff for me. Interesting. It's more 
more of a like, I wish I had this kind of a thing. So, so it's, it's motivating to you. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it has more of a positive association, I think, than yeah. a negative one. Not that I can't feel frustrated by my lack of it or my failure to reach it at times. Yeah, right. I definitely do. But I would say more generally, it's a more positive association that's aspirational in nature. Yeah. And I never really thought about that, that you could have both reactions. And I think the more that I learn about life and discipline, kind of like what you were talking about, Isaac, about how structure benefits me. For sure. That shifts a little bit as I grow and as I try things. I'm like, well, let's see what this looks like if I were to be disciplined in this area of my life. If I were to just try a little bit Mm -hmm. to put some structure in place, what would that look like? And it's been surprising the results. I think another thing that helped me is that oftentimes I think of discipline as a destination. Like I'm describing Mm, something out on the horizon that I want to arrive at. Someday I can be a fully disciplined person. It's like this transcendent state of being (laughs) where now all of a sudden I get up on time and I eat good food and I exercise and I have a perfect balance of work and play. And like it's that perfectly optimized state that we're always after, right? Exactly. It's this idea of discipline as a destination to arrive at Mm. as opposed to discipline as a process we ought to be constantly engaged in. Mm, yeah. Right. That's interesting. And I think if we think about discipline more as a process, yeah. that takes a lot of the pressure off of huh. arriving at like a perfected state. Yes, this perfect state is always out on the edge of the horizon. But if I'm trying to reach towards it and I'm trying to move towards it, then I am actively engaged in the process of yeah. becoming more disciplined. Yeah. That I think is a much more optimistic take on yeah. oh, I still like that. discipline as opposed to thinking there's just some magical state that I can't seem to reach. Putting it in the context of a journey, not a destination is so good. But I think that we have to reshape how we talk about it. Because if you Mm. say this person doesn't have discipline, you're making that a, this is a trait that they have to have or not have. And they have to work on it to get it. Like Anson is talking about with that destination. But I love the idea of looking at it as a process that you can adopt. Mm. Because I've tried it both ways. I've tried the structure-free lifestyle. And I've also tried the, let's maybe put some bones here and maybe kind of get some structure in this. And I will tell you from a creative standpoint, adding the structure there is so good Yeah, that it was always presented to me as a rigid, no bend to it whatsoever. Discipline was a no fun word for me. Yeah. And discipline was kind of against my whole bohemian approach of doing things. (laughs) And had it been explained to me, if you bring in some structure and discipline to this, you can do all of these fun, creative things you want to do. In fact, you'll have more time to do it Yeah, because you'll have this consistent schedule to look at. I think that is a big deal what you're talking about like this idea of freedom i have been in some legalistic environments in my Mm. life and so that's another reaction i think to that i don't want my life to be so rigid that there's no freedom in it i don't want to feel oppressed and sometimes i associate it with that but i think that's the whole thing we have this misunderstanding of what freedom really means we think freedom means doing whatever we want right whenever we want i was reading something from justin whitmall early this week he wrote a book called the common rule that's about habits And he says, what if the good life doesn't come from having the ability to do what we want, but from having the ability to do what we were made for? Mm. So what if true freedom comes from choosing the right limitations 
and not avoiding all limitations, which is exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I think. Discipline is like deciding that two scoops of ice cream is going to be the optimal level of ice cream to enjoy versus just going after the entire bucket. Like, right. And I think that that's kind of how I've started to look at it and how I've mm. kind of reshaped what I've thought of as structure and discipline so I can actually have those things. Yeah. You could develop a discipline of flexibility yeah. or a discipline of creativity. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I think those things can be married together, but I understand why in many cases we might set them up as opposites Mm -hmm. when we make that connection, when we realize that those things are not opposing one another, Mm -hmm. that brings a lot of freedom and flexibility uh, into our lives as well. Yeah. Anson, I'm super interested on your take as a dad with the subject of discipline (laughs) because I have been around your kids and they rock and like, I, I have been around. Well, you haven't been around them enough. Well, no, no, but like, to the point where I've like even watched just like quick interactions of, hey, let's not do that. They mm. don't tilt their head like they've been yelled at. They just kind of go, OK, and they just stop. <laughs> and I remember seeing you do that at one point And I was like, I've never seen that before. Like, I haven't seen your dad voice. I know you have a dad voice. <laughs> There's no way you don't. Everyone does. But my dad had like a quick finger snap point. That was his combo of like, shut it down. And it was a threat. It was, it was like, scary. shut this down. I mean, like motivated by fear. I say that not like going to hash all my trauma here, but like <laughs> it was a fear. And yeah. I saw quick discipline from you before, but it wasn't a fear based thing. It mm. was a I'm not going to do this because dad doesn't want me to. Well, that's very kind of you. And I think there are times when maybe I do that successfully. There are also times where I do that very unsuccessfully as well. (laughs) And I think every parent relates to that. Yeah. And yes, I think when we talk about discipline as correction, being a parent is an incredible window into what that means Mm -hmm. and what that really looks like. And you can't fully understand the value of corrective discipline until you have the opportunity to apply it. Mm -hmm. So when you're a parent and you are required at times to apply corrective discipline, yeah, it helps you to understand and have a greater appreciation for how corrective discipline can be loving. Yeah. Mm. Um, because I think as a kid, when we are on just the receiving end of corrective discipline, sometimes it gets really hard for us to marry those two things together Yeah, yeah. because corrective discipline just seems oppressive. It just seems right. like you're mm. keeping me from doing this fun thing I want to do. Yeah. And that sucks. And right. I don't like that. <laughs> When you have to actually apply it to others, you start to understand why or how Mm -hmm. corrective discipline could actually be an act of love. But until you do it yourself, it's sometimes, I think, harder to make that connection. I think it's tempting sometimes to simply label this type of discipline as punishment. Mm. Discipline in this sense is just punishing someone for doing something wrong and then moving on. Yeah. Mm. But if discipline is simply punishment for punishment's sake, it's no longer discipline. Mm. Because to me, discipline is about learning and training. Punishment alone is just inflicting suffering on someone for what they've done. Mm. Discipline incorporates training someone to adopt desirable future behavior, right? So instead of just punishing someone for what they've done, Mm -hmm. you have an eye to the future. Next time we find ourselves in this situation, Mm -hmm. I want you to take this kind of action. And perhaps by having some consequences or punishment for what you did last time, if that can be applied towards future behavior, Mm -hmm. now that's productive, right? And in some cases, this is incredibly critical and life-giving. Yeah. When my child runs out into the middle of the street... And I yell at them loudly to say, get back on the sidewalk. We don't do that. That very strong potentially response for me can still absolutely be an act of love. 
Yeah. I don't want my child to get run over by a car. Yeah. Ultimately, they don't want that either. They just don't realize <laughs> they put themselves in a position for that to happen. Right. We can agree that neither of us want you run over by the car. <laughs> right. But when you don't recognize that You're your actions are endangering yourself, yeah. Yeah. that becomes a lot harder to see. Yeah. And the first thing that I see is just dad yelled at me. Right. Yeah. He was mean to me. And all I was doing was playing. And so it's, it's hard to understand until there's some additional discipline applied. Mm -hmm. If then after the moment of, hey, get back on the sidewalk, I come over, I get down on my knee and I talk to my mm -hmm. daughter and I say, honey, we cannot run out into the street. And it's critically important that when I ask you to stay on the sidewalk, that you obey what I ask you to do and that you trust that when I ask you to do something, I have your best interests at heart. Yeah. Because if you run out into the street and a car comes along, they could hit you. Yeah. And that would be terrible. And I don't want that. And you don't want that. We can agree on that. Yeah. But in that process, now I'm incorporating discipline. I have an eye towards the future. Yeah. I'm saying like, I want to correct this behavior for next time. Yeah. Not just, I want to yell at you because you did a wrong thing. Right. And there's a big difference there, I think. And also what strikes me as you tell that story is discipline. It's restorative. It's not just punishment for punishment's sake. Like when you're getting down on the ground and making eye contact mm -hmm. with her and explaining what happened, happened there's this hey our relationship is still intact yes this yeah, is yeah. not in danger because of your behavior yeah. like right. and i think that's so important because that's what makes discipline and punishment a lot of times feel so scary because mm. yeah. it feels like it comes with this separation yeah. of if i do this wrong thing then this person is mad at me or will not love me if discipline there, means distance right yeah. if there isn't a follow-up a loving mm follow-up that reestablishes relationship. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Used appropriately, discipline or punishment is restorative yeah. and it's connecting. Sometimes parents screw up yeah. and punish primarily to satisfy their own frustration. Sure. And I'm absolutely guilty of this. In other words, payback. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when punishment really becomes a negative, a bad thing yeah. is when it's about payback. I could tell you any number of stories <laughs> about times where I have a selfish motive in mind for something. I want to get my kids in bed mm -hmm. by 830, kind of because it's good for them to be in bed at 830, <laughs> right. but also because I would like to do some things with my time. Right. And so when my girls are stalling and not going to bed and I start to get frustrated, right. sometimes I yell or I get onto them or mm -hmm. I do something mm -hmm. out of a a very selfish motive. Mm -hmm. I'm going to scare you or like frighten you into getting to bed and right. obeying my voice <laughs> yeah. because I have video games I want to go right. play or I have yeah. things I want to go do in my own life. And the good news though, is that God doesn't punish this way. Right. Yeah. And that's where the like metaphor of God as our heavenly father and an earthly father breaks down hmm. is that earthly fathers will always fail you at right. some point. Earthly parents or authorities hmm. will apply discipline inappropriately. Right. Sure. But God uses very severe negative consequences at times. We see that in the Old Testament, but it's always for a righteous motive. Right. And that's mm -hmm. the thing that as a parent, I can't live up to that. Right. Like, it's not always for a righteous motive. For God, every punitive action he has ever taken has to do with love. I was really wanting your perspective on this as a dad, because over and over again, we see this father-child dynamic. Legalistic context, like Kara mm -hmm. and I have maybe kind of experienced in different ways, that love part, the second part of like, discipline, 
Iron Love. That, that it kind of, <laughs> it's kind of this. But I like, still love you, I guess. It's yeah. kind of this footnote that's tacked on there. When you have maybe not the best relationship with a father in your life, when you're hearing God is a loving father who disciplines his children, that's like a. I've seen how my dad did discipline. <laughs> this doesn't sound great. Right. We have to yeah. figure out again how to reconcile those things and yeah. to say like love and discipline are not opposites. And in fact, mm-hmm. like discipline is love when it's applied correctly. When we have witnessed or we've yeah. been on the receiving end of it misapplied, mm-hmm. that makes it really hard sometimes to trust that there could be a being that could apply mm-hmm. it consistently. Yeah. But you know, one thing that I think of that struck me as I was thinking about this word is how often we use a word in Christian subculture that is really, really similar to the word discipline Mm -hmm. and yet just a couple letters different. And that, for whatever reason, almost completely changes the connotation of the word. Uh And that is the word disciple and discipleship, discipline and discipleship or disciple. These come from the same root word. Yeah. They both come from the root word to learn from. Mm. And yet when we think of like being a disciple or discipleship, that's like a really positive like journey that I'm about to embark on. Right. Whereas like. A journey towards discipline sounds like a hard, negative, scary thing. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that we've connotated those words in those ways Mm -hmm. where they're kind of two sides of the same coin. They almost mean the same thing. Yeah. And yet one is very positive and discipleship. This church cookout discipline is like (laughs) pushing the boulder up the hill endlessly. Like that's that's the two distinctions there. But I like that. I like the idea that growth together. Yeah. can be an offshoot of discipline. And in yeah. fact, it should be good. Yeah, Henry Nouwen says discipleship calls for discipline. Hmm. The two should never be separated. Discipline as a disciple should be like water to a fish. It's what we do as a part of who we are. We are a disciple. So we practice discipline. Interesting. A mere follower of Jesus is transformed into a disciple of Jesus by the Holy Spirit hmm. as we grow up spiritually. That's what discipleship is. It's growing up spiritually. It's the journey that we were talking about, but that's discipline. That is what discipline is, is discipleship. That's interesting. How do you grow up? You receive child training. My dad always talked about that in passage in Hebrews that talks about God being our father and disciplining us out of love. Mm -hmm. He always talked about that word for discipline really means training right? Mm -hmm. or like what you were talking about. Yeah, To learn from that's what training is. Yeah. Yeah. And you get there through experiencing those hard lessons where you can look back and see the things that you've gleaned from that, hopefully as positives, Mm -hmm. maybe not so positive that you're overly just happy that the bad thing happened, but you can still appreciate this was a hard season. This was a super hard time, but I did walk away with these lessons. And I think that once you sort of mature both spiritually and physically, like as I've gotten older and I can look back and have a bigger backlog of lessons I've learned through hardship, that stuff that you've gleaned and you're going, okay, the discipline that I've gotten through these things I can bring forward into new hard situations. Mm-hmm. It's something I can learn from. That's exactly what we were just talking about with discipline as a journey rather mm-hmm. than a destination. It's yeah. about learning lessons. Yeah. And that's what being a disciple of Christ is versus just being a follower of Christ. Truly being a disciple means we're learning something. And it doesn't mean that we've arrived at learning everything. Right. Right. Like the disciples in scripture very clearly didn't have it all figured out. Right. They screwed up all the time. Yeah. But the whole reason they were disciples is because they were there to learn and learn together Jesus. too, yeah. which means we should be open about the times that we have goofed mm-hmm. and have messed up. Mm-hmm. Because if we try to make this a competition of who's being more disciplined, who's better at this walk with Christ than the next person, we don't gain anything from that. If anything, the more I screw up, 
I can tell you guys like, hey, there's some bumps in the road. This is what (laughs) I've seen. Y'all can avoid that. As we discussed at the top of the show, we have different areas in our lives, maybe where one person is succeeding, Mm -hmm. where another person is failing. Mm -hmm. And so maybe there are ways that I can learn from Isaac about being more disciplined when it comes to my sleep or someone else could learn from me when it comes to discipline about exercise. We have the ability to help disciple each other Mm -hmm. uh, because we have those different strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so that diversity of strengths and weaknesses can actually be a real benefit when we're in community with the each other. The Bible keeps making me be around people. I'm so <laughs> frustrated about it. It, keep, it always comes back to Isaac, talk to other people. And I, oh, oh. man. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Yeah. Well, I did see this quote too. And I kind of want to land the plane on this. I thought this was really helpful, especially if you're coming at this word from the mindset that Kara described at the beginning of like, man, this just it feels like <laughs> failure waiting to happen. Uh, yeah. Right. And I totally understand understand that because we don't always get discipline right. Sometimes we're too prideful. Sometimes we're too self-critical. Sometimes we eat too much. Sometimes we get yeah. caught up in cultural excesses. Sometimes we don't love God or others as we ought to. But this is a quote that I thought was so good from Jean Porter King. She says, even in our most undisciplined moments, the true disciple learns. Mm-hmm. We learn that the deepest longings of our heart cannot be filled with things. We learn that God has a way of disciplining us that brings us back from the brink of excess. Ultimately, we learn that we cannot truly be disciplined followers of Christ without the grace of God Mm. and the help of the Holy spirit. That's where discipline comes from. Number one. And then number two, even when we are at our most undisciplined, Mm -hmm. we're learning Mm. and that's what discipline is. Yeah. It's being trained. Right. So even in the midst of total failure, right, man, I just, I totally screwed that up. I lacked discipline completely. Yeah. Maybe you didn't quite. Because if you're recognizing that, you're learning. Yeah. And learning is discipline. And as we've discussed, it's more about the journey than the destination. Do you feel self-conscious about your eating habits? Are you embarrassed when you can't keep up with your friend who can devour an entire pizza and a pack of Oreos? Does reaching your goals feel impossible? I thought so too. Until I discovered High Eat. High Intensity Eating Training. A powerful method which is highly effective, time-saving, and fun. So what is Haiz? Eating at an intense pace for a short period. Scientists have found this method is miles better than a moderate-paced eating plan. Want to be able to eat 15 Big Macs in 15 minutes? Or eat an entire tub of chocolate chip and mint chip ice cream without getting sick? Haiz can help you get there. Building the couch potato body you've always dreamed of is no longer a pipe dream. Really Real listeners can get a 20% discount on the entire collection of videos, teaching you how to burn off muscle and build fat in a matter of minutes. Go to highe.com slash reallyreal and start living moss today. All right, that just about wraps up the Really Real podcast, episode 69. But before we go, instead of drawing a blank, we're going to fill one in. Here's our fill in the blank for this time. I want to become more disciplined Mm -hmm. in blank. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) No, this Kara's answer. (laughs) Which I I kind of relate to. I know. (laughs) Dribbling, right? (laughs) Yes. More more disciplined in the fundamentals. (laughs) More fundamentals. More dribbling. Oh my gosh. All right. I want to become more disciplined in uh, learning to take care of my physical being. Oh yeah. Like that. 
I want to become more disciplined in communicating with others, mm-hmm. my faults and my high points. That's good. Because I don't do that either direction. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Mm. I want to become more disciplined in generosity. Mm-hmm. And I mean that both like financially, but also in many other ways yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Generous with my time, being generous of spirit. Yeah. yeah. I think just kind of a, a general generosity and like openness towards other people. That's yeah. Good. Is like something that. that I'd like to develop in. All right. Let's go introduce you guys to Chicken Cordon Blue. I'm so curious. <laughs> I'm so curious about this. Thanks for listening to the Really Real Podcast. Get more content or air your grievances in the Real FM Insider Facebook group at real.fm slash insiders. Yeah, baby, that's right. We got a new website URL, real.fm. Be fancy now. Tune in next time to hear Anson, Kara, and Isaac say, Kara, on paper, could coach basketball. (laughs) You need to dribble more. I want to say dribbling. (laughs) 